This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hello and welcome to another episode of Stanley on North Bank Podcast from Wales Online. Uh, my name is Matt Davis, and today I'm joined by Swansea City writer Andrew Gwillem and football writer Don Booth. Uh, well, morning, gents. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's, early. yeah, it's been a great few weeks for for Swansea. Seven points from possible nine against some some pretty uh, big hitters in, in terms of their opponents. Um, let's turn to the events at the King Power. Um, was it a better point than the performance? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. Um, first half, you know, Swans had to soak up an awful lot of pressure. They didn't really have a foothold in the game. Uh, really struggled around the movement of Leicester to the front four. Um, and you, could, you know, you can make a case they were they were fortunate to go in only a goal down. Um, difference being that rather than crumbling after the break and maybe ending up shipping three or four at a place where well, they have got a terrible record. They have. Um, you know, they, d- they dug in there. They had a better start of the second half. They finally got Jordan A.U. and Nathan Dyer into play and got some bodies around them to give them some support. Um, you know, Fernandez gets a nice finish from the corner. Christian Fuchs loses him in the build-up. And then, you know, they had to really dig in that last 10, 15 minutes when, you know, they were under siege, <coughs> lots of set pieces for Leicester, long throws. But they've got the job done. And, you know, that means that they're out of the relegation zone at the end of a round of Premier League fixtures for the first time since the last week of October. So, you know, that's a, that's a huge confidence boost. And, you know, with some fixtures coming up where you would hope that they could build on that. But, you know... At this stage of the season, you know, you'd, you'd like performances maybe to be a bit better in some cases. Yeah. And I suppose you're never going to play like they did against Arsenal every game, but they're picking up points, and that is what matters most. Yeah, it was it was a consolidation, wasn't it? It was that type of performance where, you know, after the Lord Mayor's show, Arsenal performance was so good, result was so good. There's always a danger. I think a lot of Swansea fans would have feared that there'd be the inevitable slump. Yeah, drop uh, off. Yeah. And then you sort of you back where you started, back to square one. So. Yeah, there are a lot of positives, I think, from Leicester. Um, anybody, anybody in particular stand out? Who had a good game? Um, I mean, I, th- I thought Alfie Mawson had a really good game again. You know, he's been in a pretty rich vein of form, sort of underlining why there was so much interest in him during the January window. And although you know, Fernandes and Van der Hoorn got themselves in a bit of a mess for Vardy's goal, I thought they really stood up during that last... 20 minutes or so when you know the ball was just sort of raining into the Swansea box on a regular basis. That was the best I've seen Van der Horn, but from my, my perspective, I know he's been a lot improved recently, but I think that we were talking about a player who was uh, you know, widely derided early season and not trusted really to start. People worried when Fernandez was that injured, how, how Van der Horn would get on. Mm. And now his form is such that he... Carval is happy to play these three centre backs all together, and Bartley, who you might have thought could come into contention, especially after the season he had for Leeds last season, he's had to sit on the yeah. bench. And, and the five at the back seems to be working pretty well. I, I'd like to see what Carvajal does when Swansea may be expected to 
force the issue against a, a lesser side at home, whether he sticks to five at the back. I know that was quite unpopular, and Clement did that. Yeah. So that would be that's intriguing um, when those fixtures do come up. You know, maybe even Burnley at home, you might consider to be one of those. Going to publish a piece online later on today about uh, the, the players that have improved the most under Carlos Carvalho. When you've got you know, Jordan Ayew, Sam Klukas, um, as you mentioned, Van der Horn, Leroy Fair before his unfortunate uh, injury on the weekend. But what, what's, he, what's he done to this team, Gwell, do you think? Carlos? I, I, I think a lot of it is... is some of those look like new play, like yeah. generally like new players, don't they? I think at its most basic level, it's about some belief and some confidence. You know, I think you know, we've, we've said you know, he's, he's a guy who has a smile on his face, he enjoys a joke with the players, but he's also very intense and almost aggressive, I suppose, in the way that he focuses on things. You know, he, he really works them very hard and he will be critical of them, but it's not in a way that he's lowering their confidence levels. You know, he will tell them these things that he's happy with what they're doing and where they need to improve. And I just think, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is that during the latter stages of Clement's reign, yeah. his personal mood, I felt, impacted on the players and the setup around him. And he was warned about that by you know the club hierarchy that his downbeat persona and you know, I mean anyone would have seen some of his post match press conferences and how scathing he was. Uh, and that that was carrying over into the build up for the next game. I think the thing with Carvajal is that He's positive, he's telling players to believe in themselves, he's telling them they're better than they've shown, and you're starting to see it. You know, I, you know, tactically there's been a few tweaks. I mean, the 5-3-2 is similar to what Clement did, but it's <coughs> been used, I would say, in a far more effective way when Swansea do attack. There's an encouragement for the two full uh, two wing-backs to press on. You look at Sam Lucas against Arsenal, encouraging that midfielder to break forward and go and support the front two. Um, but I, I think honestly, I just think at its most base mm. level, it's just it's confidence. And when you start to get some results, that all feed, just feeds into it, doesn't yeah. it? And you, you can just see it. It has to be confidence because it, you know, neither of the two new January signings have no. even played yet. Same it's the same group of players, mm. so it has to be a mindset. And I wondered after the Leicester game whether what sort of attitude Carvajal might take in the post-match mm. press conference uh, as a way to talk to him. I thought. You know, can he really go and say that was really positive because there were a lot of poor aspects yeah. of Swansea's performance and they were they were dominated for large yeah. periods of the game. But Carvajal was was more talked about the work ethic and the togetherness. Yeah. You know, not buckling in those final minutes when Leicester were really laying siege to the goal. So that sort of typified his approach and the you know like relentless optimism and positivity that he's bringing and seems to be bringing to the whole mm. club. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Between the lines of that, though, you know, he, he sort of he admitted that they'd had to have a big, fair bit of a debrief at half time, and I think he was putting that quite politely. I did get the sense that maybe there'd be the riot act had maybe been read a little bit at half time because he did say that if if there were timeouts in football, he'd have called a couple of them in the first half because because they were so <coughs> off the pace and yeah. they, was, they were struggling so badly. So no, I wouldn't be. I'd be sure that behind closed doors. They'd be told in no uncertain yeah. terms we what say, needs improving on. We but said in the press box that we that was more like we said in recent weeks Swansea have been unrecognisable. Well, that first half at the King Power was very recognisable yeah, from the early part yeah. of the season. But you know they they got over that and 
massively took their chance when it came, didn't they? I mean, they did. Yeah, it would have been easy for that to be two, three nil down at half time, and and they weren't going to get back into it. But yeah, the right act was right at half time. Tom, you, don't, you obviously you don't watch um, Swans every single week. Is there any any particular player? You know, going back to that list there of the ones that have you know come on leaps and bounds under well, under Carlos. Is there anyone in particular you think since probably the last time that you that you, that you watched them? Well, funnily enough, one of, the, one of the last times I was on the podcast was after um, Swansea lost to Watford at home, yeah, two uh, one, where they really let. Not a bad performance turned into a really damaging defeat for Clement and and the, for the fans as well. But I, I was really impressed with Jordan Ayew that day, and I know he suffered a massive slump in form and, and sort of loss of confidence yeah. after that. But he seems to be full of confidence at the moment. You know, he's not That's afraid to carry the ball. He's a form player, isn't he? I think. Yeah, the way he carries the ball and isn't afraid to take players on, run it into the channels. Yes, you know, it's a sign of a confident player that he's he's prepared to take people on like that. But I do think he still needs a bit of help up there. Yeah. Uh, maybe Nathan Dyer isn't isn't he's out of position there really to, to be the second striker or <coughs> wherever he's playing in the in the hole. So yeah, but Ayu has, has been immense, I think, and yeah, even if even if he's not getting goals, he seems to be making telling contributions. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Ayu was that one of the problems earlier in the season was he would drop so so deep to pick the ball up. And get into trouble, trying trying to beat people. Yeah. You know, think of the first goal that Liverpool scored in the in the game at Anfield, dropping so so deep to pick the ball up, and then getting picked off and losing the ball, taking the wrong option. You watch now Carvajal when he starts to try and come deep. You can see Carvajal sometimes just waving him away. Don't go yeah. deep. Yeah. Stay in an area where we can get you the ball. You're closer to the goal. You've, you know, you've, you can do far more with it and be more effective. You don't have to come that deep. You can press up. He's a bit of a workaholic, play. isn't he, as well? Yes. I think, yeah. Yeah. So it's about channeling that in the right way and yeah. and making him... Swansea really play without... A re- he's not He's not really a number nine, is he? No, he's so not. Swansea really play without a recognised number nine, but you need to encourage Ayu to use his energy. Yeah. Going forward, charging the way he was charging down uh, Leicester's defence, who actually coped really pretty comfortably yeah. with, with him, but he was charging them down... Mm. But any opportunity, so yeah. I think, uh, I think he, he fits for Carvajal. Isn't he? I think it's quite clear that Carvajal wants mobility in the final third, and I think that's probably why. Uh, I, you know, obviously, his injury now means you won't see him again this season. But I think that's why Borny has has been on the bench more often than not under Carvajal. I yeah. think that's down to him wanting people with that ability maybe run the channels and take mm. defenders into areas that they don't want to go into. What about Tommy Abraham? Yeah, uh, I th- he seems like a perfect fit for that. Role maybe with and you could play either Jordan or Andrea just off him, and Tammy would have the mobility and pace, and you know he'd be able to hold the ball up as well in the in the proper number nine position. So it's strange that he's not Carvajal's first pick. Yeah, I mean he's you know he's had his injury problems recently, hasn't he? And, yeah, but I mean you know you, why would you change the situation? Why would yeah, you change the situation change. that's working for you at the yeah. moment? I guess isn't it? You know it's uh, it's just interesting if Tammy gets the chance. profile of player. Yeah, but, yeah. but clearly. You know, he's been working without him, so if it ain't broke, they'll fix it. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that Boney um, out for the season. Uh, that news came yesterday along along with um, Leroy Fair. Um, I suppose we've just touched on it there. Who do you think they're going to miss more? I think it's got to be Fair. I think when on form, there's barely a better player in Swansea's squad, I think, than, than Fair. We don't see his best form often enough. He's really, really inconsistent. But he does bring a sort of physicality and mobility to the midfield that 
I think we've had the discussion before that Swansea's midfield can have the sort of potential to be mm. a bit samey and a, a bit similar. All the players in there have similar skills, and mm. Fair brings something different in his physicality in the role. Uh, and Boney, yeah, we've we've seen flashes of the old Boney, but but nothing con- nothing concrete for a, a consistent period of time. So yeah, I think Fair. What do you reckon, Andrew? Yeah, I think on on recent. Know, over form, the last month, you would say, yeah, they would miss Firm. Or he, he's one of the players that's looked uh, or has been vastly improved under Carvajal. Uh, as you see in his displays against Liverpool and Arsenal in particular. I, I, I do think they will still miss Borne. I think <coughs> that ability to hold the ball up, absolutely, particularly late, you know, late in games where maybe you might be hanging on somewhere for a point or a win, and you need an outlet just to give mm. you a means of getting out. Um, and you know, and at the end of the day, he is a senior figure in that dressing room. You know, he's one of the older players in there. And one thing he does bring is a bit of a variety, like you say. Swansea yeah, yeah. have got quite a lot of central midfielders, no matter what the skill set. There is barely a, a target man in the squad, so yeah, that that would be a miss in terms of Boney. Yeah, and just in terms of depth, you know, it's not it's not a squad that that runs particularly deep anyway. You'd have to say, you know, and you, you're losing a couple of guys who are. Genuine options there, so you know it, it is a bit of a blow. You know, I, I think you know Borne would probably have been a bit part player coming off the bench. I think for most of the rest of the season, unless something had changed quite drastically. But but obviously, you know, Fur has been a regular, and you looked set to sort of nail down a place really. Which you know, it's a pity for him because it's probably some of the best form we've seen. Other than when he was on on loan and he was playing for a permanent move, where he was he was yeah. pretty good, you know. So uh, does it open the door for Andy team. King? I think uh, yeah. Leroy for I think I, I could see him coming in and and playing that role, breaking forward into the box and and doing all that all that leg work in midfield that Fur gets through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say about the arrivals of of, of King and AU, whether Swansea were going to be in a a better position, but I suppose now with two going out injured for the rest of the season, they've got these two guys. They're pretty much where they were I mean they're still obviously um, short in the uh, full back mm. area um, that's probably worth discussing is it for a, for a second the, the full back situation and and how on, I just don't know how on earth Swansea have left themselves still yeah. short of a full back after yeah. having the whole January no, window it's, 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 it's something that's quite bizarre really. can't you I mean, <coughs> yeah. I can't explain it as the, as the emergence of Connor Roberts you think changed Opinion, perhaps on the right back. Role. Yeah, I mean, Carvajal suggested that last week when he spoke about how well you know Connor has done, and there's no doubt. I think um, I think he's done really well for a guy who might have been thinking that his chance at Swansea would never come. Yeah, he's really seized it with both hands, you know, and I'm sure we'll see him against Notts County in the cup. But I mean, my concern really is left back because they've only got Martin Olsen. Who is a specialist in that position? Yeah, and you are one. You know, you just look what happened. What's happened to Borney and Fur? If that happens to Martin Olsen, evidence so far would suggest that Tom Carroll is going to be Swansea's left back for the remainder of the season. And no offence to Tom Carroll, that is that is not going to cut this. It's not his position. It's not. It's not ideal either, is it? And when you consider that you've now got injuries in midfield and players who've gone out, so you've got Messer and Fulton on loan. Fur is out for the season. Sanchez's hamstring injury doesn't sound particularly clever so all of a sudden you've got the three of Klukas Key and we're missing King King then Carroll Brit- you know Britain's Britain, obviously yeah, out, of, yeah. out of favour and yeah. you know the, all of a sudden an area where you had so many players 
<laughs> you haven't got that Cal's many midfielders, and you might be asking yeah. one of them to play another position. So, you know, they're, they're only a couple of bits of bad luck away from being yeah. in serious strife. The, you know? the fullback thing's been a complete blind spot, isn't it? I think it's bizarre. They, they held interest in Yadam from, from Barnsley. But obviously that didn't come to fruition on, on, on deadline day. I read a number of times that Fredericks would have been available for five million, yeah. and Swansea were unwilling to pay. You that, watched him a fair bit. That price, yeah, I watched him a fair bit covering Cardiff when um, it, when Fredericks has been playing for Fulham. Yeah. Uh, if it costs five million to go out and get him and offer you some cover in a, in a position that you haven't got any, I think it's madness not to go out and get it. He's a good player. You know, I don't know how well he would do it at Premier League level, but I've seen him terrorise some Championship defences. Proper wing back in the position, proper attacking threat. And I just, as Swansea fans complain about the club not spending uh, enough money. Sometimes I, I, I disagree when fans demand their club to spend money, but I think in this case, when it's a necessity and you're in a relegation scrap and you can't afford to be short in a crucial area, I think it should have been done. Yeah, I think so. I can understand that. You know, attacking reinforcements were considered more important. You've only got to look at the lack of goals and yeah. the lack of creativity the Swans you've had for much of this season to appreciate that that was where they needed to go first. Yes, but I, I still feel that they needed to make an addition in the full-back position. And I, I think with Fredericks, it might have been complicated with the fact it sounds like there was an option to extend his contract for another year that Fulham had told him that they would take up. Yeah, um, I wonder but, if there's an issue it, with, with them flying so high and. Well, Maybe him being unwilling to to come, I don't know. Well, there's a, would you in the playoff places, in the playoff places, you know, and also then come the summer, he's probably got a, a bigger pool of teams to to choose from. If Fulham didn't make the playoffs or, or, or go up, anyway. but if they've highlighted him and they like his talent, I think arguing over a few million could prove detrimental if the say there's a big injury, like Andrew says, to a key position like fullback. I think I have to keep everything. Everything crossed now. Yeah, you just have uh, cross your fingers for Martin Olsen's hamstrings over the, yeah. <laughs> over the next few months. Get the t-shirts printed. Well, <laughs> um, you point out this morning, next three games, uh, bar in the cup game, Burnley home, Brighton away, uh, West Ham at home. It's three big games there, three great opportunities yeah. for Swansea to carry on this, incre- well, it is incredible run really, you know, p- pulling out Seven points from from those those three games against illustrious opponents, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the stats are incredible. Aren't they? they had thirteen points after twenty games. Sorry, yeah, thirteen points after twenty games, and they've picked up eleven in six. You know, it's that's a staggering, quite a staggering turnaround, really. Um, they're all they're all big. I know it's cliche. They're all big games. to know, the end of the season when you where Swansea are, but when you look at the fact they've actually got some momentum. Probably for the first time this season, they've got some belief, and they've got a run of games there where you would think that if they can perform, there's real opportunity to pick up more points and to pick up a de- you know a decent haul. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's worth saying they, they've got to get seven from three or whatever, but there is an opportunity for them to keep going. And you know, they've they've lost the losing habit, as it were. You know, they they they've lost one in nine under Carval. I think it's undefeated in seven in all competitions. It really, you know, it just feels like it might be starting to open up for them. You look at the table after the weekend, and they're, they're three points off eleventh, which is when you consider well, the season they've had, it's just ridiculous. Size. You know, the, <laughs> you know Swansea should not really be in the conversation for 
a mid-table finish, but all of a sudden... It's just the way the league is, isn't it? The league is just crazy at the moment, and every time one of those teams wins, <coughs> suddenly there's huge belief that they can they can finish well, in the top half. Yeah, they bought the form of the top half now, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, they put two wins together and, and off they go. So yeah. I mean, like The game Saturday, I think if you looked at the table after 25 minutes, Swansea were going to be bottom. Barely an hour, hour and a half later, they're out of the relegation zone. You know, it, it's it, it really is very, very tight. And you know, look, the job is a really long way from being done, but you've got reason for optimism, haven't you? You know, they've managed to get out of there, and if they can just keep building, you've got to assume that they're going to keep improving under Carvajal as yeah. he gets more time to get his methods across. And you know, you just think if they could, if you could see performances near the level of that Arsenal display. You know, you've got you've got reason to believe that they can pull off another great escape. I think the games against your fellow relegation strugglers at home are almost the most difficult ones for for clubs in Swansea's position. We've seen this with with people like Huddersfield picking up a really poor streak of results, Stoke struggling. It's almost like the pressure of those games at home. The fans are so expectant. You know, if we can't beat these at home, we're we're really struggling. Yeah. So it's going to be a big test because it's one thing that Clement wasn't able to to get early in the season was massive three points and those not bankers but your best chance and that's almost why Swansea have done done well is that the pressure's been off recently because yeah. I don't think anyone expected them to get anything from the last three games but they have. Yeah. So you know Burnley at home, West Ham at home especially if they can get. You know, yeah. two wins and though they're not out is not out of the question at all and yeah. it would be a huge help. Yeah, Dom's definitely right there. I think that the difference now is that there might be a little bit little sense of expectation rather than just hope. And that's a that's a different thing to deal with. But they they've got to deal with it, you know, that's you you they've got they've given themselves a fighting <coughs> chance. They've given themselves an opportunity. That's probably about the best they could have hoped for when you think of the situation they were in when Carvajal you know, came yeah. on board. I mean, what? I mean, before kickoff in the Liverpool game, they were six points from safety. They've earned this opportunity. They've got to go and make the most of it. Yeah, you, know, you just, you just sense at the moment that they might well be able to do so. It's in Swansea's hands because you guarantee those teams around them will drop points. You know, yeah. people will, drop, will pick points off each other in the next few weeks, and and Swansea could theoretically put a little bit of a gap between themselves and the bottom three. You know, if if they take those chances. Uh, before before Burnley, then um, they got the cup replay against uh, Notts County tomorrow. Not yeah. tomorrow night. Yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, what sort of team are we going to be looking at there? Um, are we? Can AU and King play in that no. game? Not they can't. They weren't. Uh, right, they weren't. And that's not so much an issue of being captured. Although AU would be captured because he played against uh, Shrewsbury for West Ham. But if if you're not registered for the original tie with a club, right, you can't then play in the replay. Okay. So, uh, so we won't be seeing those. Well, fans will have to wait just a just a little bit longer before they see the two new arrivals. Go, going back to the the, the King and, and the AU deals, um, do you think you've impressed with those arrivals? Do you think? Um, are you happy? Impressed is the wrong word. Um, I think I'd be impressed, Jack, so they haven't played. Yeah, and I, I think we'd have to, we will have to wait and see yeah. how they perform before we make any judgment on whether they're good acquisitions or not. There's certainly two players with Premier League experience, yeah. which I think is a plus. 
in Andre Ayew, he was a very reliable goal scorer down here the first time. Yeah. And we know that Andy King can chip in with a few goals. I, I can understand some supporters. When, when you've had a month where you've been linked with players like Kevin Gamero, Nicholas Gaitan, and Armin Younes and all these guys, and, you, and you're looking at that and you, yeah. you get excited, you know. I mean, even we do as you know as journalists, you know, when you when you think of the prospect of players of that calibre coming in, you do get a bit excited. But yes. I mean, it, it comes down to the fact that ultimately those players didn't fancy it, and um, you, you ultimately in the situation Swans you're in, you can do without people who don't fancy a bit of a scrap and haven't got the stomach for it. So it's not unexpected, and there's no guarantee no. that. That Gaetan or Gamero would have come in and hit the ground running. I think Gaetan has played very little football in the past few months, so you know you, you really doubt him whether they was going to hit the ground running in yeah. the relegation scrap. Andy King is a reliable yeah. player. You know what you're getting from him. Uh, I use the interesting one because I haven't been impressed with him during his time at West Ham. Yeah. He hasn't fitted in there at all. Not seemed to know his best position. Is it? as an out-and-out striker or just off or out wide so it'd be interesting to see where Carvajal fits him in clearly as we've seen Carvajal saying he really wanted him so you know if if he can slot next to his brother up front or something like that then I can yeah. see it working Yeah, I could I could see him playing as the, almost the link man a, a bit like what Nathan Dyer has been doing over the last few games which is being being that man between the midfield and the attack and just ensuring that AU doesn't get too isolated up front and has Jordan. got has got Jordan <laughs> AU, sorry. Yeah. Doesn't get isolated up front. Oh, that's gonna be confusing when they're yeah, not playing together, isn't it? A to A. A U gets the goal, A U gets the yeah. assist. I mean they're probably they're two signings that I don't think it's unfair to say that they're not signings that would get you would set your pulse racing, are they? I think that's fair to say. But they are two signings who could prove to be pretty effective for what Swansea need at the moment yeah I think so um, in terms of a team then well not perhaps the full start in 11 but do you, do you see maybe a, him going with four at the back rather than five I don't know I think I think what, he what do you think he's going to stick with the system with it. I think he's got you think you've, if you've cracked onto something that works yeah and that the players are comfortable in you know and obviously they, you know, they must Train heavily in that formation. I would, I know, you know, it's a league two side at home, but yeah. I would think that it would stick with this, with the same system and just keep honing it and keep the players getting used to it in game situations. Give you likes of Bartley a chance yeah. and Tammy a, a start. I would have thought. And but Tammy's got an opportunity now, as you've touched on earlier, hasn't he? So I think yeah, it could be a, a chance for him to get to get a run out. He could still get you know five six goals to, to help Swansea yeah. stay up. I yeah. think he's got yeah. that in him from what I saw him, of him at Bristol City. So don't be surprised. I might might see a couple more in the twenty threes just because you know, we talked about the midfielders. You know, do you want to keep sending them out Tuesday Saturday Tuesday Saturday as things have yeah. been recently, or do you throw you know do you throw you know like a Daniel James in to play the link role or you know I don't know I'm just thinking that it It'd might be, be an opportunity to, to take be, yeah. a couple of guys out to the firing line. Don't take any risks injury wise because clearly you can't afford to. Obviously, rest Fabianski and yeah. Roberts will play. So, yeah, yeah. plenty of changes. Sure you pack as much yeah. as you can. I think Carlos. Um, well, there's obviously a motivation as well for for Carlos Carvajal with the yeah. date against um, Sheffield Wednesday coming up as well. So, yeah, and, and also an opportunity for Swansea to carry on this this good yeah. this good run that are on. Okay, uh, finally, then I think we'll just touch on um, 
hopefully everyone's had a, a chance to read um, Clements, uh, Paul Clements' interview in the in the Times on the weekend. Um, he made some, I think, some quite salient points, and I think that he does have a few legitimate gripes, especially over the recruitment issues, but. The way that I read it a little bit was that he didn't perhaps accept some of his own flaws. I don't know what anyone else thought of that. Well, it's interesting from someone who, like you said before, I don't watch Swansea every single week. I saw, I've seen a fair bit of them, a fair bit of them under Clement. And and one thing that came across was that he did seem a little bit defeatist and a little bit negative, um, especially when things weren't, weren't quite going right. And I think that came across maybe a little bit in the interview. Yeah, I think no one can doubt that that the recruitment wasn't what it should have been in the summer, and that that definitely worked against Clement. So obviously frustration came from that point of view, but I think I don't know if he if he had approached it with the sort of fresh air that Carlisle's brought to the equation, it it could have been a bit different. Maybe it's all too easy to say because when results are going against you, you're going to feel downtrodden. Yes, but. Um, you know, if he'd come up at it with sea bass analogies and, and all that sort of stuff, then who, who knows? He maybe would have given him a little bit more leeway with the fans because Carvalho seems to be so charismatic and so well liked. Uh, I I think the point about the Sigurdsson sale, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree with him. It, it did drag on far too long, and there were a few, you know, as you said, look, recruitment, absolutely. You know, Hanging his hat on Sanchez as well. I, I think, think yeah, bit, I mean, you know, I think we said all along that. That side could have performed better under him, but he was also hamstrung by issues that weren't entirely yeah. of his own making. Yeah. What I would say, Dom's just beat me to the punch there. Sanchez, that was Clement's. That was you know, that, that was effectively his move. He made <coughs> that happen. So you can't gripe about that. If the player is more damaged than he thought he is, well, he was the guy speaking to the people at Bayern and getting mm. the feedback on him. So he's either been so he's either been sold a dummy by his old employer, uh, his old employers, or you know he's not he's not taken he's not taken on board the message. And with Borny as well, again he's got a fair point. Borny's had a lot of injuries. Trying to replace a guy like Lorente, who'd obviously been so key, but he wanted Borny. He had a choice. They had they had other strikers like Abubakar at Porto. They had deals lined up for a couple of other options. Yeah. And he was given the choice, and he wanted Boney. So again, you know, you ca- you can't turn around and then say, "Well, look what happened here." If he were part of that process, yeah. that's all I would say. Yeah. I think he had, I think he had ample opportunity during his time in charge to raise some of these issues yeah. publicly and privately, and he and he very rarely chose to do so. Apologies, because I'm nicking this point off another podcast. But I did hear them, them talk about uh, on the Guardian podcast about how. You are allowed as a coach to coach your players to make them better, rather than just clearing them out and getting another load in. You know, so it sounds harsh on Clement, but the best coaches will see what tools are there at their disposal. Okay, I can't get the people in who I want to. I just make these players better, and I think Carvalho's done that. You know, he's improved the team, and they have, none of the new signings have played yet. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think the best coaches will make them the best of a bad job and yeah. an upskill who they have. I think the problem at problems at Arsenal and stuff like that have been that, that none of the players seem to be improving under Wenger these yeah. days. So yeah, it's a good point because Carvalho hasn't got Sigurdsson or Laurenti. Yeah, exactly. But he's made it work because he's got a system that's yesterday, yeah. effective. It's a good point that Dominic. You should steal 
ideas off other podcasts <laughs> more yeah, often. Or regular <laughs> copyright issues, maybe there. <laughs> right, uh, I think that's I think that's everything. Um, just a bit of housekeeping. Uh, say that you can get all your Swansea City news from Swansea City Live and uh, and on the Facebook page as well. And um, thanks, chaps. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Cheers.